greatest three words he heard from Catherine Kuhlman and learned was, I don't know. Say it with me. When I was young in ministry, Mike, I thought I always had to have answers. As I get older, I find out that the best thing to say, I don't know, but I'll pray till I get you that answer. I'll find someone that knows it. But these Pharisees love to match suffering to cause and effect. If you went through something, if you had a loss, they wanted to match something in your life that you did that caused this. And Jesus came on the scene to say, this boy's parents didn't sin, and this boy didn't sin, but this blindness, he has had his whole life. So in this moment, I can show who I am, and I can be glorified. Come on. There's things in your life and my life that we have not understood and we ask the Lord, maybe we've been handicapped by an addiction. Maybe we've been handicapped. We have a lot of recovered addicts in this house. Maybe we were handicapped with a weakness, handicapped with something in our DNA. And we say, God, what did I do to deserve this? You did nothing to deserve it. You were born, born into a fallen race, but Jesus says, I have come to show that I will be glorified in this situation. Someone give Jesus a praise. I don't know. Deuteronomy 20, 29, 29, 29 is one of my favorite verses. And I learned from one of my elders when I was young in ministry to get a Deuteronomy 20, 29, 29 file. And that means this. The verse says, the secret things belong to the Lord, but those things revealed belong to us and to our children. What does that mean? You better get a file that you put things you don't understand. You better get a file that you file things that didn't turn out the way you wanted them to. Don't worship that moment. Don't build a monument to things that didn't turn out the way you thought they should or when they should and put them in that file because the symbol in the Hebrew for the word why is a symbol of chaos. Because if God were to answer you why, you would turn around and ask him again another why. And then you would ask another why. We have to have the vision that says God what I don't understand I'm going to put in a file but it will not hinder me from moving forward with you can you say amen someone give Jesus praise this morning I love that Jesus brushed this question aside from his disciples and from the religious he doesn't focus on the past of this man that's the vision we need and we are going to continue to have as church of the harvest when God sent us to this mountain you know the vision he showed me over there on the ground that I shared the first Sunday after pastor's promotion, the vision of him reaching out to the north, the south, the east, and the west to bring in the hurting, what Pastor Hank called the spotted and the speckled. We have been the church that does not focus on your past or even your present, but we focus on the vision that Christ has for your life. Jesus sets this need, listen to me. He sets the need of this man ahead of the situation so he can focus on what he can do in that person. How can God God be glorified in the situation in his life that's what Jesus saw and what I love the scripture says now as Jesus passed by he saw a man who was blind from birth everyone say from birth I love it that Jesus sees him I love it that Jesus sees you I love it that Jesus didn't pass by I love it that no one I want you to repeat after me no one is ever lost in a crowd 
uh, recently was in a uh, VIP, everyone's laughed that I call it that, Joni laughs the most, a VIP concourse of about 250 VIPs from all over the world at Brother Marcus's Celebration of Life. I won't go into that, but in anybody, there's no big and little names, but let's, because if, if there is, there's not a kingdom. That's not true with Christ. Since if you're a big name, then somebody's a little name. Someone say that makes no sense. But these are some of us well-known names, and in that VIP concourse, I would watch people as people would clamber to this one. The funny thing was, I was with Brother Perry Stone and Pam, and I got so tickled because I would hear people, that's Perry Stone, that's Perry Stone, that's Perry Stone, that's Perry Stone. I mean, these people like wanting to buy them saying this, this, or Kenneth Copeland, or Jesse Duplantis, on and on and on. And I got tickled, but I'd watch people sometimes because I'm a people watcher, and they look like, does anybody know me? I love that you can be in the midst of a VIP or a jail cell. Come on, somebody. I love that you can be in the street, or you can be in the courthouse, or you can be at the bank, and you might feel no one sees me, no one notices me, but I love that no one is ever lost in the crowd with the Lord Jesus Christ. Come on, somebody. He doesn't check pedigree. He doesn't check your notoriety. In fact, the people he used the most were the people that had been forgotten and outcast. That's who he was when he made God visible. He knows each one of us, and that is our hope. And Jesus begins to penetrate the blindness, which to me represents the slavery and ignorance of every man. Jesus moved decisively, and he healed in the crazy way. And I always say it's good the man was blind, because the way God wanted to heal him, he meant to say, no, thank you. Anybody tracking with me? <laughs> like, I'm going to spit into this dirt. <laughs> and I know everybody's watching like, oh, what is he doing? <laughs> what is he doing? I don't know if I want to be his disciple or not. <laughs> Can we do something a little bit more distinguished, something eloquent, something beautiful? Can't we just wave a wand, um, you know, like a wizard or a fairy godmother? But Jesus knew in his own spit was his own DNA, the DNA that went to the cross, the DNA that the scripture says lives and beats in us. You may have Aunt Sally's indecision. You may have Uncle Bud's infidelity in your veins. You may have ancestors before you that were butchers and horrible people and axe murderers. I don't know who's back there, but this one thing I know, when you received Jesus Christ, the Bible says his DNA was transmitted in to you the very DNA that saved the world and went to Calvary somebody give King Jesus a hand clap of praise but I think it's cool he was blind that he didn't see it I don't know about you but have you ever but me have you ever been somewhere and, and you know God wants to heal you through someone you don't like yikes our God wants to give you a word. I know Pastor Hank and I were at City of Faith for eight weeks when we first remarried, so a long story, won't get into it. But there was this one stinking, I say that lovingly, prayer partner. He kept coming in the room every night. Every night he came into the room. And I really kind of got irritated. Sometimes we were having a break from all that. Pastor Hank had a gallbladder rupture problem, so we had to stay there for eight weeks. And sometimes we would just get to the point we were resting, or we could maybe watch some Western or someone shooting up someone else. Can I get an amen? You know, just to get our mind distracted, and he would come in every night. And I thought, Lord God, if you don't make him get on another road, I'm going to scream. Um, but one particular night he came in and Spirit of the Lord just began to work through him. And he began to do some healing between Pastor Hank and I, not about us, but just in our heart. I have often wanted to dismiss the ones that God has sent. And sometimes we want to dismiss, well, Pastor Todd, this is not true of him. His wife is uh, how many years recovered from addiction? 12 years that can give Jesus a hand clap of praise for that I'll say it about Misty but Misty had to be committed 
she was committed by a coroner to a mental hospital. Now she works at Hawassi, someone go figure. But she had to be committed and she's just the cutest thing since Christmas. And she often talks about she laid in her bed and ate Xanax and candy and was just happy about the whole thing. Um, but then they said, you're gonna go to Tennessee to this Women of Hope. No, no, I'm not going there. Yes, you're going. And they forced her to come to Women of Hope. Sometimes we don't like the way the Lord chooses to heal us. We see someone else healed instantaneously. Pastor Hank got off of cocaine in a moment. Other people takes them years. Sometimes we don't want that journey of the way the Lord has healed others. I mean, we want a different one or we want the same one. I'm going to tell you something about King Jesus. He's going to heal. He's going to restore. He's going to build you up the way he wants to and through the people he wants to. But when he does it, it's going to be complete. Can you give him praise today? Hallelujah. And he mingles his own saliva with that dirt, and he puts it on his eyes. It's almost as if he was reenacting that moment. Genesis 1, when the Spirit of God hovered over the earth and saw the tohu vabohu in the Hebrew, the chaos, and the Spirit of the Lord began to overshadow the earth. And when he did, he brought something out of nothing. And then God created man out of the dust, and he breathed his Ruha HaKodesh breath into Adam, and Adam became a living soul. It's almost like Jesus was giving a new version of that miracle when he took his DNA, and he took the dirt that we all came from, and he put it on a man's eyes. But what he was saying is, it is my DNA that's going to heal you. It is my DNA that's going to bring you freedom. It is my DNA. There may be doctors and psychiatrists and Christian counselors. There may be therapists. There may be a whole lot of people that help you. There may be books and worship services. But no, in the end, ultimately, it is Jesus Christ and Jesus alone who can bring lasting freedom. Someone give him praise this morning. And he sent him, and we'll get there because I've got some points for you on your vision to wash in Siloam, which means sent. That was Jesus's mission, to wash in the pool of Christ's forgiveness, to wash in the pool of Christ's redemption, to wash in the pool. You see, that was a creative miracle. Isaiah 43, 18 and 19, people love to quote in the beginning of the year, but I love it all year long. Remember not the former days or the former things. Remember them not. For I, the Lord, will do a new thing. Someone say a new thing. We like clean slates. We like turning the calendar. Can you not perceive it? I will make a stream in the desert and rivers in the wasteland. God wants to restore today his vision in you of who you are. That's a miracle. The first one of creating light out of darkness was a creative miracle. But there's another form of miracle I learned when my heart was healed and I was restored to my husband in 1984. And that is bara. Everyone say bara. Bara is to take something and turn it and make it completely new, something that it was not. I don't know which one is the greater miracle. All I know is, God, whatever you want to do to make new in 2022, please do it. Someone give the Lord a hand clap of praise. But can you imagine the awe of the first moment he was able to see? This was a man born blind from birth. The first sunset, the first sunrise. He imagined things with his hearing like Ray Charles, but he had never seen a smile on a face. He had never seen rain. He had never seen an animal. He had never seen any of these things. I hope that you and I never forget the awe of when Christ turned our life around. Whether it's the last miracle or when you accepted Jesus, 
One thing I've learned sitting with those who have been redeemed that have come through the pain of abortion, have come through the pain of addiction, come through the pain. I can go on and on and name things that would make you freak out probably and then things that you just think, yeah, I've been there too, but I've sat with them. I love it when they recount to me the blindness they once had. I love that they don't lose that wonder, that awe. The thing that disturbs me the most is not the person that's been restored, but it's those who have been restored and then forget what Jesus brought them through. Can I get an amen? For those that forget the first time they smelled clean air. Come on, somebody. The first time they woke up clean. The first time they woke up thinking, I do want to serve the Lord. The first time they said, I'm cutting off everything from my past and I'm going forward. Let us never lose the wonder. And may this church never lose the wonder of watching people being picked up and restored. May we never lose the awe of the first time we saw someone. I remember the first person that ever walked down the aisles of Church of the Harvest before it was Church of the Harvest. I remember when this building was built that our days are numbered as we know we'll probably be finding a new building this year as it sails hopefully but I remember the first miracle. I remember the second one. If we ever lose awe and we demand of God some Spielberg special effects to lift up our faith, woe is to us. This man probably thought every sunrise was the best sunrise till the day he went home to be with God. He probably thought every sunset was the most glorious thing. He probably drove his kids crazy. Can I get an amen? With come on, come, come, look at this sunset. Daddy, we have seen that sunset for 15 years that you've been dragging us out here. I know, but I didn't see the sunset until a man named King Jesus, the anointed son of God, saw me in a crowd and he healed me. Somebody give Jesus praise. So that's the blindness we can't afford. We'll talk more about that. But here's a, a few points for you about your vision for 2022. You've got to know that vision has to have a vessel. And that vessel is you. Isaiah 6 and 1 says, Isaiah said, I see the Lord high and lifted up. That beautiful train fills the temple so glorious. The cherubim are crying, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. But everybody misses the next part. When he says, God says, who will go for me? And Isaiah said, here I am send me. I want you to say that. Here I am. Send me. Now say it not like you're on some kind of downer. Let's perk that up a little bit. Here I am. Send me. Now give yourself a hand. That was great. <laughs> Here I am. Send me. Wherever and however you want to send me. If you send me to waitress, which you know I've spent years as a waitress. If you want to send me to Legacy Center, where my friend Lisa is at now, if you want to send me here or you want to send me there, I'm going to go in your name. Jesus sent him to the pool of Siloam, which means sent. Everyone say sent. What Jesus was saying is, I'm sending you. And what Jesus is saying to us in our vision of 2022 is, I am sending you. Jesus was saying, that's my mission and it's your mission. They, uh, historians talk about the pool of Siloam, which I won't get deep into but they say that water was the water they pulled out for the Feast of Tabernacles. But the cool thing is, Jesus became the fulfillment of the waters of Siloam. Jesus became, and they disappeared. Man-made traditions disappear because Jesus fulfilled them all. Amen? And the way you can be his vessel is lead others by slaying giants in your life. 
I know we want to inspire people with our easy life because I'm happy. Come along and shout with me and go get daffodils. Let's get a smoothie. God is so good. You know, we think that's going to impress people. That doesn't impress people. It may make them happy for a moment. But what impresses people is you slaying the giants in your life. No one says King David was so awesome. He went down by the brook and David got up and he began to do a TikTok dance, you know, um, Applebee's on a date night. And everybody thought, that is so awesome. Oh, if I could be like King David. We want an easy life. Look at your neighbor and say, you know what's right. You know what's right. We want an easy life, but no one is inspired by an easy life. But they will follow you if you begin to slay giants. When they watch you go through something. The saddest thing we do as a body is sometimes, as being a pastor for over 30 years, watch people lock themselves up. When I get through this, pastor, I'll be back. 17 years later, they're still locked up. You know what I'm saying? When I get through this, when I get a grip on this, there's a powerful Proverbs that says, don't wait till you feel confident to get anything done. Do it now. And we say, we'll lock ourselves up. Instead of coming to church, people say, well, I can't come there this Sunday. I went through that. I went through this. I have fallen since last Sunday. You think last Sunday, God didn't know you were going to fall? Come on. You think two years ago, God didn't know you were going to relapse? You think five years ago, God didn't know you would have that detour? God says, show up and show everybody how to shake that thing off right in the local church. Come on. They used to go on Jerry's, what's his name? Springs. Springer, I was going to say Springsteen, but that's Bruce. Anyway, they used to go on that show and tell everything. I was his mother's father of his second cousin removed on his sister's side. And you would get into fights, and that was okay. They'd go on Oprah and <gasps> tell these shocking things. But we think we come into the body of Christ, the local church, that we're not supposed to come. I'm going to lock myself up. I, I, I used to say about women, lock myself up and eat ice cream. And I asked one of their brothers, what would men do? Drink beer. So there you go. I'm going to lock myself up and drink beer until I can't come anymore, until I get better. God says, you are going to help people by walking through what you're walking through and letting them see that you are a vessel that is earthly and has weaknesses, but Christ in you is powerful. Hallelujah to his name. I want you to say vision has to have a vessel. You say, well, Pastor Rhonda, I'm afraid I'll fail. I don't want to take another step. I'm a huge Lord of the Rings fan. We won't get into that. But there's a moment in the beginning of that where Sam says to Frodo, they're supposed to leave the Shire and Gandalf is trying to tell them to leave. And he says, I'm afraid to leave. If I take one more step, I'm going to take a step farther than I've ever taken in my life. And I just can't do that. And Frodo says, you know what? It's, it's scary just to walk out your door. But if you don't take a step that you've never taken, you live in fear. And my word says no fear in love. Perfect love drives out all fear. Fear has to do with judgment. Fear says I don't measure up. I'm not good enough. Fear said if you knew me, you would reject me. But Christ says you are faithful and you are successful every time you show up. Stop looking for mile markers and just look to I was successful today. I clocked in the job. God knows I didn't want to go to work. I clocked in today as a parent. I clocked in today 
say is a son or a daughter. That's when you're successful because vision has to have a vessel and you are the vessel. The amazing thing is that they cast him out of the synagogue in John 9 at the end of this chapter. They cast the blind men out. Do you get this? It's almost like, and I have a sermon called You Might Be a Pharisee. I might share it sometime this year. But it's almost like Jesus waited to heal on the Sabbath just to irritate the Pharisees. Like, I could heal him today. Nope, nope, nope. Going to wait four days so the religious, their hair will stand up on their arm. And he shows up. And on the Sabbath, nowhere in the Bible did it say a man can't be healed on the Sabbath. But when he got healed, and when they said, who healed you? His parents wouldn't acknowledge it. They were scared. But this man said, all I know is, I was blind and now I see. And no opinion of man can change that. You and I have got to learn the power of ignore. Man's opinion, opinion is not to be our God. Can I get an amen? He said, I don't know. All I know is I can see. Jesus is always seeking the outcast. Don't you love it? The rejected, the losers, the educators, the uneducated, the poor, the rich, the acclaimed, and the forgotten. He's seeking all of them, and he healed on a Sabbath. Number two, vision has to be visible. Someone say visible. Visible. Jesus said, I am the light. He declared who he was. I've come to do the Father's will. Proverbs 29, 18. I'm sure someone has said that to you in this new year. Where there is no vision, the people perish. Someone say perish. And then Habakkuk 2 and 2. Write the vision and make it that he may run who reads it. One translation said, for he can read it on the run. You've got to get a vision of your life. This church continues to hold its vision so that we can read it on the run. Meaning it's just part of our DNA. People around you, they know what matters to you. And they know, don't lose sight of that vision. When you have a vision for your life, when you get that, and I want to be this, but more of all, who do you want to be? Who will you be? It's like, what are you going to be when you're a kid? I want to be a policeman. I want to be a, we should ask people, who do you want to be? If you want to be a kingdom shaker, a child of God who moves mountains, you've got to say, that's who I'm going to be. Whether I'm at Chick-fil-A or Zaxby's, or I'm at the mall or I'm here or there, I'm going to be a child of the Almighty God. Can I get an amen? And when you get that, here's the thing about writing out vision. Sometimes we do this in January. You think you have to have the faith to make the vision happen. He didn't ask for you to do that. He said, write it out, not make it happen. But when you go to write it out, you think there's no way this can happen. If you can do it outside of God, it's not a vision, it's a project. If your vision is, I hope the Lord God will help me to unload the dishwasher this week by his glorious power. Well, there's been some days I felt a little weak and I had to have God's power. I get that to unload the dishwasher, carry the trash out. But the bottom line is it's got to be so much bigger than you. God is not asking you to have faith to make the vision happen. Vision yourself. Envision what life could be. Who do you want to be? And then write it down. Look at your neighbor and say, write it down. And here's the thing, if other things don't fit into that vision, learn to say no to say a bigger yes to other things. I don't have any regrets of the things I said no to. When I was a young uh, minister, there were some people that started at the same time I did. And they were like, well, you know, I don't, they were in other states, they weren't here, but I, you know, I don't pick my kids up anymore. I have people that pick my kids up from school. I have people that do this, do that. And 
and said, you really need to stop all that picking your kids up from school. You don't, you don't need to do that, you know. You're never going to be a household name. And I thought, well, great, <laughs> because who I want to be is a mother that my children can be proud of. I will not say no to them so I can say yes to something that does not fit my eternal vision because if I'm committed to them, and it's true. Once Christine got up in age, doors started slamming open for me. If you will be faithful in the little things, God will open the doors you're wanting. But who do you want to be? That means sometimes Jessica saying no to certain friends. My nephew, Josh Taylor, you know, he's been on several uh, reality shows, but he is a builder, a fabulous builder. And he was talking to me about blueprints. And if it doesn't fit the blueprint, he won't change it. You know, when people get crazy about stuff, because he builds houses for people, you've got to get a blueprint and say, this is who I want to be. If I've got to say no to 17,000 of you, come on. If I've got to say no to this, if I've got to say no to that, I'm going to value my vision and I'm going to make the right decision because a year from now, I'm going to be closer to who I want to be. Come on, somebody. Make it about your finances. What's the vision, Pastor Hank would say to you today, about your finances? What can you say no to so you can say yes to something else? You know, it's amazing, um, and as I'm older, this is not true, but when I was younger, if you had given me one of these, I would have not just thrown it in the car. And, well, I'll find that tomorrow. It's probably out there. In fact, I'll just leave this car unlocked, leave this $100 bill right here while I go on the greenway, and somebody gets it. It's no big deal. It's just 100 Come on, somebody. Now, a dollar when I was younger, I might do that with. You might, you know, somebody gives you a dollar. Where did I put that? It was in the pot. I'll tell you, somebody gives you a $100 bill. You're like, where is it? The earth must stop because you value. Someone say value. You put value numerically on this dollar as you should $100. Now, 100 of these make 100. I want you to know that. But at any rate, they're all powerful. But you've got a value. I've got friends who have safes that I will not tell you about in locked up rooms underground full of jewels and coins in case we all go into the tribulation. We didn't think we we're going to go through. All I know is I told my particular friend, I don't care what you have down there, but you have room for me and my family because we're coming. <laughs> if the trip's coming, we're going we're gonna to be down there. Come on, somebody. But they guard and protect it. They keep it locked up. Do you guard the vision for your life? Are you strong and determined enough to say, this is, does not fit in to who I want to be. Value your vision. Thirdly, a vision must be vast. Look at your neighbor. If you'll come and help me, uh, Josh. Look at your neighbor and say, a vision must be vast. Vast. Say the word again, vast. Again, if you can do it without God, it's not a vision. It's not a vision. It is a project. Sometimes there's just things we need to execute and do. Oh, Lord, would you help me, God, you know? And God will. In some seasons in our life, there's times that even the simplest task, I want to say that to those that are in Isaiah 40, they that walk and not faint, and you're just thinking, Pastor Rhonda, it's all I can do to get up and load the dishwasher. It's all I can do to do this or that. I understand, but a vision has to be bigger than you. It has to be. Isaiah 55 and 8 says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts. It's a particular day in the gospel when Jesus was standing out in a deserted place. Everyone say a deserted place. And his disciples were around him. We're going to come back to the blind man, but his disciples were around him. And they come to him and they say, this crowd is vast. Meaning this challenge is big. This problem is big. This is too big for me, Lord. 
Don't think for a moment when you think that, that everyone else before you has not thought that too. Do you hear me? Don't think that David or Esther or Deborah were just always on top of the mountain. Yeah, at times they may have felt like they could run through a troop and leap over a wall, but there was other times they felt like the troop ran over them. Can I get an amen? And they said, this is a deserted place. This is so deserted and there's so many people and we don't have anything to feed them. We have nothing. And Jesus said to them, what do you have? And they said, we have these five loaves and these fishes, whatever the numerical value was. First of all, Jesus said, they said, shall we send people to the store? And Jesus said, no. And they said, but this is a deserted place. There's no place to get any more food. Listen to me. In our life, we often tell Jesus, Jesus, these are my thoughts. And Jesus comes back and says, these are my thoughts. We say, I'm uneducated. I'm lazy. You know Aunt Bertha was lazy. I'm lazy just like Bertha. Every family reunion, they say, you and Bertha, you're just lazy. You know I'm like Grandpa Billy that I just get anxiety. And we begin to tell God things about ourselves that he has known when we were created in our mother's womb. And they're telling him this is a deserted place. There's no way to do what you're saying to feed this crowd. That was their thoughts. Jesus probably had to look at them with an interesting thought to say, yes, I know this is a deserted place. I remember when I was here and God created this place. I remember when there was nothing here. Everything they're telling Jesus, he could say, yeah, I know you're telling me. I'm telling Jesus, I'm a woman. I can't do that. I'm telling Jesus, I'm a, I'm a man who's uneducated. I'm a young person. I'm older. I can't do this. And Jesus said, you know what? I'm not asking you to do the multiplication. I'm asking you to put it in my hand. I love Mike Murdoch's famous statement, nothing stays the same in the hand of a multiplier when you have little strength. I remember getting ready to preach in San Juan, Puerto Rico. It's bad to preach to one Spanish person because I don't know anything but Ola and Barita. Come on, somebody. And getting ready to preach with a wonderful interpreter, uh, uh, some Aqua de Font, um, Antonio Font is the pastor, and 10,000 people packed in that Coliseum. And I remember backstage just saying, like, if you can get me out of this. Anybody ever been there? I will pay you, Lord. I know you're on the Cow of Thousand Hills, but surely I got something you want, you know. I'll give you money if you don't make me preach to that crowd. I'll do anything. And I've, I'd preach to crowds that big through television, but it was the whole Spanish and the Puerto Ricans are so beautiful and they're so emotional and they're so dramatic. And he'd already said, we want you to pray for everyone. I'm thinking there's 10,000 of them. I'm going to be here for 17 years. And um, I'm backstage and I'm, I'm praying. And the Lord reminded me, I didn't ask you to do anything but to get in your place. I'm asking you to give me your gift and let me multiply it. I'm asking you to merely step up and take the mic and that which you have prepared to bring it forth and let my spirit do it. Because I've already lived this day. Psalm 65 and 11 that we opened up with, he crowns the year with goodness. It means God has walked every year, every day of this year. And God said, do it. I got up there and the rest is for another time. Because Spirit of the Lord slayed it. And I saw 10,000 people when I took the crown away from the wannabe God and put it on my head. And uh, my, my sweet Kendra was doing that part. And Pastor Antonil and I both just stepped 
back. I mean, they have it on film. I should show it. And we both just stepped back in the glory. We couldn't stop crying because the Puerto Ricans, 10,000 of them, went nuts. I mean, he had interpreted what I was saying, but they saw it with their own eyes. And in that moment, it's like a kaleidoscope went around the room. And God told me something about my past and my future. I won't say today, which was so powerful, but about my vision of restoring crowns from my high school days of the awards that were given me in high school to today, that I was put on this earth to restore crowns to the outcasts, to men and women who had lost their dignity. I'm going to tell you, God has inside of you those moments. But if you think you've got to have the faith to make it and you don't say, Lord, here it is. I put it in your hands. To me, it looks smaller. It looks so much smaller than what Christine has or what Austin has. But what I know is I'm going to be obedient and I'm going to put it in your hand. Give Jesus praise today. Come on, give him the best praise. Vision has to be vast. That you're in me, God. You're in me. You can do this. Genesis 15, God came to Abraham and he said, do not be afraid. I am your shield and exceeding great reward. He said, I'm just, I'm just going to make you do some amazing things on this earth. Let me paraphrase it. I'm going to do some things through you if I were to tell you, you wouldn't even believe it. Abraham says, how can this be? Because he knew he didn't have a son. And we say, how can this be, Lord, that you can use me in that way? When this has gone wrong or this has happened. And God did Abraham such a wonderful thing. He said, come outside. Let's go outside. Come on. God is saying to you and I this morning, let's go outside. Not right now. (laughs) But let's go outside. When he took him outside, he was taking him outside of his limitations. He was taking him outside of his past failures, outside of yesterdays, outside of pain, outside of disappointment, outside of those daily realities that brutally incarcerate our dreams and our hope. Can I get an amen? And he took him outside and he says, look up to the stars. Count them if you can. And of course, Abraham couldn't. He said, as surely as the number of the stars, so shall be the number of your descendants. God causes people to move from faith to faith, from strength to strength, to glory to glory, that we might be made willing. God is calling us in these last few moments, come outside. Let's come outside of everything that went wrong in 2021. Can we? Can we let go what happened and we didn't understand? Can we put it in a Deuteronomy 29:29 file? I know one of my favorite statements is right now, not why God, but what now, God? What do you want from me now? I can't fix the promotion of my dearly beloved soulmate in life. I can't go back and fix that. I can't fix other things that happened. My chief elder was taken to heaven. I can't fix any of that. And I've known people that have been so embittered by grief and by unforgiveness that they have checked themselves out of the kingdom of God. Don't you be one of them. Instead of why, what now? I talked to you on the first night as I cast this vision and more to come through this month, through myself and others. I told you that first night I told you about pastor's promotion. I said, who will take his mantle? Who will pick up the slack? Because that one man, if he was sick one day, I said, don't worry about it. And one day you're like 17 men reaching people, just constantly helping people. We have to ask the Lord, Lord, let me pick up the mantle that you've given me. Let me have action. Let me do. Jesus kept moving forward. 
They kept saying so much to this man. They kept telling him, you know, you, you can't stay in the temple. They cast him out. Jesus found him on the outside. They interrogated him, his family. But the blind man who could see kept moving. I'm going to tell you, Britt, when people say things to you you don't like or don't hear and they're not godly, ignore them and keep moving. When people come to give their opinion on you, Chris, on you, Jennifer, when the doubters, the, the fruit stealers come to say things, step outside of them. Get going. Keep moving forward. The blind man kept moving and so did Jesus. Give him a hand clap of praise. Hallelujah! The power of ignore. So finally, in this moment, Church of the Harvest, this vision casting for 2022 is we shall continue. For the whosoevers, hallelujah, the wounded minister, the homeless woman, the addict, the brokenhearted, those struggling, we shall continue to call in the whosoever, the rich, the poor, the trained, the educated, the strong believer, the weak new Christian, those that are imprisoned. We helped this last um, month so many people in prison through what Pastor Hank began with the chaplaincy program. We'll continue to do the works of Jesus Christ in this city. We will anticipate the inevitable supernatural intervention of God. We will expect to see prodigals saved and healed we will expect to see people's lives turned around we will walk like Enoch we will obey like Noah we will believe like Abraham we will dig a new well like Isaac we will wrestle like Jacob we will dress in royal garments like Joseph we will stretch forth our hand over what looks uncrossable like Moses we will conquer walls that look undefeated like Joshua we will have a comeback every time we have a setback like Samson we will lead like Deborah we will dance like David when the spirit moves upon us we will pray like Daniel we will intercede like Jeremiah. We will worship like Mary. We will speak truth like John the Baptist. We will climb up where things look unclimbable like Zachariah, Zacchaeus himself. We will shout out like Bartimaeus. We will come out of our grave clothes like Lazarus every time we feel we're beaten. We will give thanks like the leper and never forget the awe of who we used to be and who we are now. We will preach like Peter in the upper room. We will sing like Silas when we feel in prison. And we will overcome like Paul when he was transformed from Saul. And we will love like Jesus and we will change the world that's our vision somebody stand up and give Jesus praise come on somebody stand up and just put your hands together hallelujah hallelujah we bless your name Lord Jesus we bless your name Lord Jesus Lord Jesus today we bow our hearts but lift our hands to you hallelujah Christ be glorified Lord Jesus we thank you for vision for 2022 it may not rhyme it may not be something we can post on a note or even one word some may get that but I know this we're going to continue to be who you've called us to be but in this room right now I pray that everyone looks at their own life that, that they are the vessel of the vision but they must value that vessel 
and value that vision. That, Lord, they must write that vision. You're not asking for faith to act it out. That's our problem, Lord. When we hear that, write the vision out, we just think, oh, I can't even do that. That's impossible. You're not asking for the faith to act it out or to do it, but to write it out. And we would see that vision as vast and then act on it. Lord Jesus, in this room are men and women of God who belong to you with different backgrounds, different characters. Holy Spirit, you have called them. Just like Jesus healed the blind man and set him free that his life might give glory to Christ. I pray in this year we would give glory to Christ in our jobs, in our relationships, where we trade, where we do purchases, in this church, in our homeless ministry, our youth ministry, the Esther Project, Queen for a Day, our men's ministry. I pray you would be glorified, Jesus. Let us enlarge our vision. Let us expect that you will make in us a greater son and daughter of the Most High God and that we would never forget the awe and wonder of being set free by Jesus, Lord. Let us not compare ourselves. When we feel cast out, we know you'll find us. When we remove ourselves, we know you'll give us a door of hope. And Lord, through every moment, I pray everyone in this room would remember you can do all things. You are the great restorer. We'll just stay connected to you, Jesus, because you've got this and we've got this. Let this church go forward in 2022 and the churches of our friends that are here this morning, Lord. Let every church do your vision, Lord Jesus. Open wide the gate. Anoint our work in the prisons. Anoint our work among the homeless in this city. Anoint our work upon broken women in the attic, Lord. Anoint our work upon the broken ministers, Lord Jesus. Spiritual sons all over this nation that Pastor Hank helped to restore. Lord, let us be an eagle wing restorer in greater measure. Raise that ministry up, Lord. Do what only you can do in our lives with our marriages, our children, our relationships. Let your name be glorified and we won't fail to give you the praise in Jesus name and everyone said amen give him one more hand clap of praise just stand where you are